0: This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host James Coglin. It's never a good sign when I'm the one presenting a logical solution. Scott Owen, James, can I just make just one quick point? And Adam Pace. Uh, I'm a male. Not. Plus some special guests starting now. It takes something pretty special to get us out of our off-season hibernation on the Brisbane Football Review, and. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think Australia qualifying for a sixth World Cup, fifth in a row, that just about uh, justifies us getting off our butts and talking about what was a very, very, very eventful morning in Australian football. Hello, everyone. This is the Brisbane Football Review off-season special. It's Scott, Adam, it's Alex, it's Liam. It is a smorgasbord of football talk, and boy, have we got a lot to get through. Scott, how are you?
1: Tired, but relieved.
0: And I'm guessing it's uh, much the same for you, Alex?
1: Yeah, very much so, very much so.
0: Adam, how many coffees did you pound today?
2: Um, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'll tell you what, plenty of caffeine. But uh, yeah, it was uh, was worth getting up this morning for. It definitely
0: was. And Liam, uh, I think you had a very different strategy on dealing with the early start this morning. Yes,
3: wasn't rostered on to work today, so I went back to bed. Lucky you.
4: How could you possibly sleep after that? (laughs)
3: easily
0: (laughs) (laughs) relief relieved. That was actually the amazing thing out of all of it, though, is just you're buzzing for most of the day. And then eventually it was about three o'clock for me where I just completely hit the wall and realized that, Oh, this is going to be a very rough next few hours trying to get through to an appropriate time to go to bed. But it was all worth it. It was a very early start as the Socceroos took on Peru in the AFC Bowl World Cup qualifying playoff presented by Doha Water and Mains, I don't know who's sponsoring it or whatever it was. But I, first of all, I think we need to start with uh, a bit of a mayor cult because last time, Alex and Liam, you guys were on the show, mm-hmm. we all thought that the Socceroos were probably kind of screwed, for lack of a better phrase, uh, Liam.
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of Australia... Uh, and and their football fraternity thought for sure that these guys uh, we're gonna. It just it just it just depends, I guess, how voc- how vocal you were in your in your non-support for them or not. Whether you, you can probably get, walk away with egg on your face, or not you know. Alex.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, look, I'll, I'll um, put my hand up and eat some humble pie. Um, in regards to the uh, doom-gloom and uh, in in our predictions. So, um, yeah, look, uh, sweet relief this morning. But, um, yeah, I guess we've got to get around the boys now and uh, look forward to November.
0: Uh, That's the one thing that I have really struggled to get my head around in the last 12 hours or so since um, Andrew Redmayne saved the penalty. It's the fact that, I've been saying all along, I don't think Graham Arnold is a manager to get Australia to the World Cup. But probably the most risk-averse manager Australia has had in a very long time, Scott, got Australia to the World Cup by displaying (laughs) Jupiter-sized balls and rolling the dice on a goalkeeper change in the 120th minute of the one-off playoff.
4: Yeah, it's fair to say we were all largely critical of Arnold throughout the course of this campaign, but you've got to give him credit for this morning, don't you? a victory his way, not just with Redmayne, but also with Mitch Duke playing up front, which I don't think anybody really wanted to see happen, but with the, re- the decision for Redmayne to come on right at the end, not even Huss Hitting had the, had the you-know-whats to make that decision back in 2005 when all the stats told him he was, was thinking to do the exact same thing, but uh, Graham Arnold did it, and it looked ridiculous, but it worked.
0: And for the rest of the podcast, you-know-whats will be referencing Jupiter-sized balls for uh, just the confidence to make that call.
2: <laughs> yeah, look, he was actually um, channeling a bit of Louis van Gaal from the uh, 2014 World Cup when uh, he famously brought Tim Krul on to uh, as a 120-minute uh, minutes, uh, substitute uh, against, against Costa Rica in a World Cup quarterfinal. So, uh, look, at the end of the day, I think... The way I sort of looked at, it, I'm pretty sure that you know, I, everyone would be in agrees Is that Graham Arnold pretty much staked his entire legacy and 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 without with the Socceroos coaching tenure on this one change? It pays off. He's a hero. If it if it backfires, yeah, he's a dunce. So yeah, it was it was a risk. It was a risky move. And at the end of the day, know, yeah, it, it's it's prevailed, and, and which means that he gets three more games in charge at least uh, in November.
0: Well, I assume he's getting three more games in charge, right, Liam? Oh, <laughs> well,
3: look, I don't, look, look! I don't know. Um, yeah, with this, with this, with this now qualifying, um, it's probably is it a, is it a reset for for the rest of Australia to go? You know, it's okay now, Arnie. It's okay now, or is it just a case of okay, thank you, Arnie. You've you've had your time. Yeah, let's 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 get on with it. Let's do this. But you know what, though, I have to say that um, the match that they played last night with Arnie's guidance—it's the best that they've looked probably for a very very long time. Um, I don't know what's been missing, perhaps leading up to um, to this that that game last night. But that's what we should have been doing like weeks ago. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think. Um... It was much, much better than the game against UAE. That was a a, a drub fest. Um, Today wasn't much better. The one point I really wanted to make is that these last two games actually really play into Graham Arnold's wheelhouse. Like two banks of four, sit back, let the other team play in front of you, hit a bit on the counter ride your luck hit them with set pieces like that that's like graham pete graham arnold from the mariners pete graham arnold from sydney fc except he couldn't exploit a salary cap here um (laughs) um, uh, is it not pete graham arnold though like i did did these these two games really i I can't i can't emphasize that enough that was my my light bulb moment for today on on, uh, upon reflection of these last two two matches
0: I, I kind of agree with that. In that, it was set up for a risk-averse approach, and it worked out. It worked out uh, quite well for the Socceroos. They were able to get by a UAE side that, frankly, I was I wasn't at all impressed by, and then a Peruvian side that definitely was not as good as what I remembered from twenty eighteen. Mm. But you know, I get. I, I kind of want to stay positive here and say, look, the Socceroos took their chances. They got by. Uh, the UAE by scoring goals and, you know, what a thunder strike from uh, Aidan Hrustich to get them over the line there. And then in this one, they were the better team on the pitch for the bulk mm. of the 120 minutes, it.
2: Yeah, they, they were. And um, look, I just think it just comes down to, and I, I agree with Alex's point, I think this is, this is a Graham Arnold you know, special, that I think that the way his side's set up, I think in sort of a group Stage format where a point is okay, you know, you know, getting a win is one thing, but you know, knockout, sudden death football, it seems it seems to thrive on it, and and it looked and 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 the way that that the Socceroos played in these two games, firstly against UAE, and then against Peru this morning. It was a case of that, you know, they did enough to get the result rather than the performance. Because, look, let's face it, the performance wasn't, you know, anything to write home about. It was obviously progressively better, but technically it wasn't a great game. But at the end of the day, it comes down to getting a result at the end of 90 or the end of 120 minutes, or in this case, at the end of the penalty shootout. And, and I think at the end of the day, I think the socceroos are actually better suited to that style, the way they are, and with the, the group of players they have at the moment. Yeah, I
0: couldn't agree. More like it is a side that does feel like it's in a bit of transition. I think there's a group of players coming through that will hopefully be much better served for 2026 and a group of guys who probably also won't be around for 2026. And he was able to get them over the line in the end. Firstly, Grandma doesn't normally
4: win penalty shootouts in these close-tense finals matches either, but anyway. The other thing is, um, I think the football—it was never going to be a classic, was it? You've got high-stakes matches in both games played in the middle of summer in the Middle East. They were never going to be high-intensity, high-quality clashes. They're always going to be tight and tense. And you saw that particularly in the game this morning against Peru, where they were looking to take time off the clock in the first half of normal time. So they were, it was always going to be that type of stop-start, low-intensity sort of a game. And I'm not surprised, and it does suit Grandma to have these games in this way, so I'm not surprised. But back to your original point a few minutes ago, James, about some of the, the younger players, of Kai Rolls was absolutely superb.
0: Mm-hmm. For a young
4: player who yeah. is made his debut in the friendly against Jordan a couple of weeks ago, his rise to international football has been absolutely superb. And we saw him playing for the Raw briefly, mostly in the youth team. I never saw this. He was absolutely superb.
0: Yeah. And, well, we may as well run through some of the standout performers from this as well. And Kai Rolls was far and away the man mm. of the match for me this morning as well, showing like, how old is he now, like 22, 23, something like that. If he He did not look like a 23-year-old defender, only really just starting out at international level, Alex.
1: Yeah, 100%. So composed on the ball did not look flustered once. I think Lapidula um, got past him at the front post from memory early doors. Ever after that, he, he learned his lesson and he, he stuck to Lapidula, who's no shrinking violet, let's let's be honest. <laughs> you know, he plays Serie B so the lad knows how to scrap against some really uh, streetwise defenders in 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 Serie oh. B um, so I, I was I was utterly impressed and I think one of the you know the even better things about him is he's a naturally left-footed left-sided defender they're so rare to come by and um, that's just another like big ticket against his name and um, what a great move for him to to Hearts as well.
2: Liam?
3: Arbech uh, I thought had a had a good uh, game too that that beautiful run there to get him on his right foot that just that just just missed the post uh, in this in the was it extra time or in the second half eighty fourth minute yeah. I want to say yeah yeah uh, mate um, look look I I I think over the last last few games um, I think we've even talked about it before about about uh, about left backs and etc about um, about uh, um, us having having to struggle a bit there but I think last night I think he's I think he like 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 a lot of the back. Uh, back uh, back four there. They really stepped up uh where where it mattered and um yeah I think it'll be I think it'd be a good thing um for him to be to the World Cup. I think also too with the under twenty threes doing I don't know if it's going off track a bit but if but with the under twenty threes doing so well as at also um in the in, in their Asian cup, I think with the World Cup coming up a lot of those guys will be um putting their hands up ready to to be part of that squad.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, and just on those defenders as well. Let's not mm. forget that Bailey Wright and Kai Rolls are not the first choice central defensive pairing for the Socceroos. You had mm. Trent Sainsbury well, and How. Ha- <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah mm. they may very well be, but those two guys, like well, they had their first choice centre back pairing sitting on the yeah. sideline in Trent Sainsbury and Harry Suter. So, Adam, like it's a good problem to have, ideally where. You've got guys who are now coming through and creating that sort of competition for uh, spots as well.
2: Yeah, look, absolutely. I think, you know, on paper, Sainsbury and Sutar, you know, barring injury, are, are probably your, you know, your your A centre back pairing. But look, Bailey Wright and Kai Rolls, certainly, mm. you know, they, they they could do enough uh, depending on what happens. You know, obviously, they're, 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 I'm sure there'll now be a couple of friendlies in the lead up to the World Cup. You know, where, you know, I think Graham Arnold can probably start experimenting a little bit. Uh, well, obviously, saying will be back. We don't know whether Soutar will will be back in time uh, for for Qatar. But uh, certainly, I think at the moment, uh, Bailey Wright and Kai Rolls are probably the first, get the first crack at securing the, the um starting centre-back pairing uh, against uh, France on November 22.
0: Yes, Um now, I want to move a bit further forward on the pitch as well and talk about Aaron Moy, and we'll start off with you here, Scott, where <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I, I don't know how he managed to run out that game because no. I'll, I'll take Alex and Liam behind the curtain as well as everyone listening. We were talking after the UAE game, Scott, Adam, and I, about how we weren't sure that Aaron Moy was going to necessarily be the right option against a Peruvian side that, let's be honest, probably could have uh, run rings around him. In a, in different conditions, but Scott, he held like he held on. It wasn't the most physical of tests for him, but like they kept him on there, and I feel like he was a valuable player through the hundred and twenty minutes.
4: He was. There was that one moment where they where the proving midfield did run past him midway through the second half. And I think most of us thought he might be just about ready to be subbed off here, but they kept him on for the penalties, and that worked. And I do think to your point, the lack of intensity in the game really helped Aaron Moy, given. He has not had a lot of football club wise in the last twelve to eighteen months in China. So it certainly helped him the low intensity game. He had a lot of time on the ball as well that allowed him to pick his passes. And when when you give a player like that time on the ball, he's gonna do make good things happen. And I'll be honest, I did think that he might be a player who maybe could move out of the out of the same lineup for a more natural holding midfield type player, but he did that role quite well this morning. It was actually good because he could patrol the defensive slash defensive part of the lineup. And Rustich ran the show further forward. And when they got him the ball, that's when Australia looked at their absolute best. So I do think there is a way to fit both of those playmakers into the slides. It'll get more murky if they try and squeeze Rogic in there as well. But having Moy and Rustich worked okay this morning.
1: And I think, um, I just want to add to that, Scott. I really thought Jackson Irvine was really pivotal in that midfield. He did all the, the stuff that um, you won't get a lot of credit for. He made that extra body, came in and he dropped in next to Aaron Moy quite a, a lot of the time and quite literally ran himself into the ground at the end of that 120 minutes. And, um, you know, not only was he getting back and, and helping Aaron Moy out defend and and hold that, um, you know, that that flat midfield for um, once Peru had the ball, but he was bombing forward and making those third-man runs in into the box and creating an extra bit of... Um, uh, I guess uncertainty for the Peru uh, defensive line to think about, you know, with his physical presence and and just that 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 third man running that that's so difficult to pick up from from a midfield runner.
0: That's one thing that actually really did jump out to me as well. Going to, back to the UAE game, where you would have thought Peru watched that game and realized that's something that Irvine was doing quite a lot in that game. That's how he got the goal for the soccer the first goal for the Socceroos there. I will admit one thing as well in my um, borderline delirious state uh, late in the second half of normal time uh, during that game as well when they subbed Mitch Duke who started at striker off moving Matt Leckie into a essentially number nine role. I might have said if they're not going to play with a a recognized striker, why not throw Jackson Irvine up top in sort of a 2008 low budget uh, Andy Carroll type role, which – Look, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Probably wouldn't have worked out too well, right, Liam? <laughs> oh,
3: I think I think I think Jack's nervous, and I think uh, he's really come into his own this uh, uh, late um, into the uh, World Cup qualifying. I think he was kind of he was kind of in no man's land really for a while. There was he wasn't performing that well, seemed a bit slow. Uh, but I think. I think he's 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 come on the on, on the back end of these uh, qualifiers so well, and he's and he's performed so well. Just to see his emotion too, at the end of the game, and he was cramping up, and um, you know he just kept going, and just and just to see the emotions come out of him after the game, you know, it's uh, he's um, yeah, he's he's certainly uh, very well deserving to be in that squad after after all that uh, they've all been through.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, um, you yeah, know, we, we could go through a lot of the play. I, mm. I know these two games probably will get weighted a bit more heavily when it comes to, you know, forming an opinion of some of the players in the squad as well. Frankly, I don't care right now. Cause I'm still on a high from this morning, but, um, I, I don't want to go now to the shootout and talk about that uh, big moment. We'll start with you, Adam of, uh, when they decided to sub on Andrew Redmayne, what was your <laughs> PG reaction when you yeah. when you saw that uh, being made ready?
2: Adam? Um, the PG version was, I'm <laughs> seeing it, but I can't believe it. There might be a few expletives thrown in amongst that. And look, it was uh, it was a ballsy move. It's as simple as that. Like I said, yeah. I referenced the last time. The last time I saw that was in 2014, a high-stakes game, you know, that, you know, that Lou van Hull did it. So I, I think, you know, what, what he, whatever he was playing at, but obviously, no, all joking aside on on that. Obviously, there was there was some reason behind it, and and obviously, in, in reports have come out sort of since in the in the hours since that, you know, that you know Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan was not aware of it. I actually thought he was aware of it. Just the way he reacted is like mm-hmm. the way he came off. I thought, okay, this is a this is a plan, but apparently it's come out that you know that he wasn't even aware this is this was going on. So the fact that you know he, he was so classy in supporting his his fellow keeper, I, I think it shows volumes uh, to mm-hmm. Matt Ryan as as a captain as well as a as a player representing his country, that you know, that he was that yeah, you know, he was really gracious about it, And obviously that there was a plan in motion and, and the whole Everything was going to live and die on that decision.
3: Yeah, I think um, coming out after the game during uh, Redmayne's interview, he actually said that um, if it came down to this, this is what was going to happen. Uh, he was there uh, practicing his um, his uh, pen stoppers, and um, I think I think it was part of the plan. I thought they knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, that's if you go back and have a look at his interview, that's. Mm. That's more or less what he said, yeah, that, that this is what was going to happen if 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 it came down to extra time. And I,
0: yeah, I honestly just was sitting there going, like, is he getting his uh, change of gloves ready for Matt Ryan or something?
4: Stop. I can't mm. give you my answer for what I thought when <laughs> it actually happened because so I did not have a PG reaction anyway whatsoever. Mm. But yeah. the thing is, this is really interesting because what he did come on and we all remember Andrew Redmayne's antics in the 2019 A-League Grand Final against Perth Glory. But, and well that went partly around the world, it was probably forgotten very quickly. So for Peru, this was a this would have been a genuine shock to them seeing a goalkeeper carry on like this on the line. And you could see as each individual Peruvian went step forward, they seemed to be more and more flustered by the whole thing. And you could just see them getting more and more flustered. It was clear at some point it was gonna work. And it took until the sixth penalty, but it did work. Hmm. The other thing which it was all really coordinated and Calculate from Redman because he also managed to see that on the Peruvian was water bottle yeah. was notes about where I love the penalty is going to be taken. So he launched that into the stand. Yeah. So well, everyone looked like thought he was completely out of control. He was clearly thinking clearly because mm. he saw that and said, No, nah, I'm getting rid of that. So it all it was all clearly calculated, and I agree with Liam. I do think this was planned mm. weeks in advance. And if it did come to this in the UAE game. We would have seen it then. So this was clearly a plan for Graham Arnold, and you've got to give him
0: credit for it. And just on that as well, one of many, 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 many discussions I had about the shootout at work today, the thing that jumped out in my mind is your first two penalty takers, if you're seeing the opposition keeper doing that, your first two penalty takers are probably like, yeah, whatever, we'll just – we pick our spot, we know where we're going. But if you're the fourth, fifth, sixth penalty taker – Alex, you've got time to think, like, what do I do if he's actually, like, jumping side to side on the line and jumps to the side that I'm going? Is that going to make it easy? And it probably does give you that little bit too much time to overthink it in the end.
1: Yeah, 100%, James. And I think also you add on top of that the pressure of taking a penalty later and later and later into the into the count. And it just all becomes a big melting pot of pressure and uncertainty and getting in your head, which I think um, Arnie actually said in his post-match interview where, you know, he was more or less saying that the whole point of the the substitution was to get in their heads and, and get that little 1% edge over, over the Peruvians. And look, I mean, Andrew Redmayne looked like the fifth wiggle out there, but (laughs) full credit, he he bloody did an excellent job. Um, and, 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 Again, another Arnie masterpiece, I mean it, he would have looked like an absolute uh, goober if it, if it didn't go off like it did, but um, you know you have to give him credit for it because it was it was spectacular.
2: So I just want to jump in as well, sorry about, about that, is that you know what? if it had' gone pear shaped and Prue ended up winning shootout, I probably wouldn't be very angry at Arnie because at least he tried something yeah, different if, if he went sure. down the normal the normal path that that you know try nothing do nothing risk averse, you know what you'd probably be more angry saying well what did he try and do but in that situation he's he's still of a, he's still a plan to sort of try and change change the outcome of the penalty shootout and you know what even if it and we all know penalty shootouts are lotteries in the end so the fact that if, if it had gone the other way and Peru ended up prevailing, especially after Martin Boyle missed first and then Peru got the next five, look, I wouldn't have been too upset about that. I, I certainly would have been blaming Graham Arnold for that move because at least he, he, he rolled the dice. You know, he could have rolled Snake Eyes. In this, t- this case, he rolled Trumps. And, and like I said, and, that, and that's what it comes down to.
4: Adam's delirious on caffeine, I think, because I would have been <laughs> blaming him because you got to mm. remember, he did sub off his captain who also was a goalkeeper that won him a penalty shootout in the Asian Cup in 2019 at Uzbekistan. So it's not like Matt Ryan doesn't have form-saving penalties for Australia. So I do think that the decision from Graham Arnold was really boom-bust. And if it had gone wrong, I think, James, you might have been doing some serious editing on this, (laughs) this audio because we might have all been swearing at Graham Arnold over it. So it came off and it worked, but if it had gone
1: wrong, I think there would have been serious criticism for him.
0: No chance I would have done that level of editing on this show, Alex.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, I just want to go back to that point. I think we talked about in the opening um, part of the show where uh, we're talking about two thousand five against Uruguay and uh, we hitting not having the balls to sub a uh, Jupiter size balls. Sorry, uh, <laughs> to, to sub Schwartz for Kalats. Now, if memory serves me correctly, mm. it was because Brett Emerton went down with cramp.
0: It was, yeah, that's right.
1: So I think technically I uh, I really don't want to – I want to give Arnie his moment in the sun, but did he borrow this play from hitting? Is this a – this, this is a stereotypical Dutch manager move, really. I'm, I'm starting to think that the more that he I did learn.
2: was the assistant, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, he, was, like, yeah. he was. He was. Yeah. So I,
0: I think that probably would have uh, been lingering in the back of his mind. And in that situation, if he's able to pull that out, you know, 16 and a half years later, then good on him. But yeah, it could, it could have all gone so wrong in that shootout as well, Liam, because mm. like Martin Boyle's first penalty was saved. And my first thought was, oh no, like exactly <laughs> how, how much am I going to want to put my head through a wall here where they, yeah. they got to this point. I felt a bit hard done by getting to penalties. I would have loved to have seen the socceroos do it. Conversely, however, such is the uh, tortured football fan in me. There was also a small part of me that was expecting uh, Redman to get beaten by a 35-yard rocket into the top corner before he even had a chance to get a hand <laughs> on the ball <board> oh. in <laughs> extra time yeah. stoppage time.
3: Oh dear! <laughs> yeah, I think. Look, I think uh, I think from the time he came on to the time that uh, that the full time extra time whistle was uh, was blown, I, I don't think there was uh, there wouldn't have been enough steam. Ah, uh, built up, <laughs> to possibly uh, <laughs> go off. But uh, look, it's ah, uh, look, it was a, it was a, it was a fantastic sub in the end. Um, but yeah, I th- look, collectively, a lot of Australia, all of Australia, gave a massive oh uh, when when we saw that sub. Honestly, we did. We didn't know what was going on, um, and uh, yeah, look, a lot of us uh, uh, are very happy now that it did happen. Could it? Could have Matt Ryan done the same? could have uh Redmayne's extra height or a bulk in 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 the have helped in the end um yeah possibly because he was he was a, he was carrying on like a pork chop in the in the <laughs> like the old grey wig and uh yeah i mean ma- ma- yeah maybe that was a difference It was just he was he was bigger he was bulkier he was taller he was he was he was putting them off um so yeah it was planned and um and and it worked out for him
0: well, the one point I quickly want to make, and then we'll go to you, Scott, because I can see you jumping out of
3: your uh, m M&M m
0: style hoodie to uh, make it's this next my Andrew next
4: Redman-inspired hoodie, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, <there> we go. <laughs>
0: the one point I want to make, there was apparently one of the celebration videos that has been, like, uh, latched onto today uh, was Ryan and Redman in talking about it after the game, and Ryan was saying he would have gone the other way on, I think, the penalty that um, – Redman wound up saving. So it may not have been the uh, same result in the end.
4: Mm. Absolutely. Well, it worked out in the end. But I was we were expecting changes at the end of the game because Grandma was clearly going to bring on somebody for penalties. We saw Craig Goodwin come on. So I think when you saw substitutions coming right at the end of extra time, we saw that coming. I don't think anyone really – did anyone actually really think Redman was going to come on until you saw him standing there? It did not enter my mind at all. So not until, not until bring the board on went up. Atilio yeah. as well as Goodwin, two guys with good technique who can take penalties. To see Redman standing there, I can't give you my reaction, James, because I have to bleep it.
0: Yeah, I was sitting there going, I, I said something along the lines of, this is like possibly going to be the end of Graham Arnold's managerial career if this goes wrong. Um, I'm just trying to find the message I sent to you guys uh, like at the... Very late on, I think I was saying, yeah, you know, I want to see Goodwin, Tilio, or possibly even one of the other, oh, Tilio, Daggers, or Goodwin, um, for a bit of spark and for the penalties. I was thinking the subs were going to be made, Liam, for you know, the penalty takers, not
3: yeah. the keeper. Yeah, of course, of course, he happens all the time. Uh, you know, you, you always see uh, subs coming on that are the better penalty takers, um, nice. you know, and I think it's probably just as well that. You know, the the Graham kind of held back on his subs a bit too. Uh, like he he didn't make a lot of subs substitu- a lot of subs until 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 full time. And um, I think um, yeah, to see a keeper uh, subbed on like that is just is is very rare. But uh, again, we harp back to it. He knew what he was doing. He 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 had it planned. He seemed to have known that maybe that that we were going to go to pens because uh, he certainly didn't get those subs on earlier. That you know, uh, like in regular time, you know. So he was saving them for sure. So he he, he kind of knew what was happening. Yeah. These antics
4: James could be something we see from other keepers now, because the whole world saw this. This game was shown all right around the world. <laughs> yeah. and every goalkeeper and every goalkeeper coach has seen these now and seen how this effective can be. I reckon yeah. there's a decent chance someone else tries it. Maybe not yeah. in a penalty shootout. It could be like a late, a late penalty in a in the end of the group stage where you've got to save it to stay in. I reckon someone will try it.
3: There'll be a village in the hills of Italy somewhere where there's some, <laughs> where there's some like, you know, on the outskirts of AC Milan, I don't know, Milan somewhere. There'll be a kid run up and down the... Monza. Uh, uh, yeah. will run, <laughs> run up and down that goal line and there'll be a goalkeeper coach going, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And it'll be it'll, it'll be slapped out of me, you know, quickly, <laughs> I think, because it's uh, yeah, it's not something. It's yeah, it's very it's very unique. But yeah, it'd be funny to see like videos of uh, memes from around the world where you have uh, kids from all over all corners of the world just just doing the the grey wiggle. It'd be fantastic to see, actually. I
0: just, I just something. I wonder, uh, sorry. I was just going to say quickly. It's okay. Maybe it's something. Maybe something Christian Volpardo can
2: work on to add to his game uh, while he's watching the World Cup. Oh, burn! <laughs> I was just going to say. I just. I just wonder at the odds, especially um, coming up in the World Cup, that you know whether more coaches will pick will pick almost specialist uh, keepers, like their their third keepers who are genuinely you know just penalty shot stoppers and you know could they could they you know deploy this tactic of you know substituting the keeper at the end of end of you know 120 minutes say in a um in a knockout world mm. cup game like well, is it like the first time 2014 was pure freakishness like now it's happened twice on the world stage is, is there some sort of merit now to say hey is is this an evolution you know as far mm-hmm. as the penalty shootout where you go you know we, we bring in a fresh keeper in who is a better shot stopper than they, than they would be, you know, I guess a bad distributor or, you know, mm. something like that, you know, as, as, as a, um, a special thing you now, like it's, it just it opens up possibilities.
0: Well on that, that something that I feel like is only probably going to be available in part because of the substitution rule changes brought about due to the COVID pandemic two years ago, where I think now if you go to 120 minutes as a manager, you can make up to six changes in your team, and at some point, like, that sixth change, maybe your best option is putting on that specialist penalty-saving mm. uh, goalkeeper, Alex.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, um, James, I just want to add to that point. I'm pretty sure IFAB just approved the five subs are now permanent throughout the game. I think also mm. at an international level, right? So, yep. um, yeah, you're right. So, it should bump it up to six, but yeah, I think it's a tactic, and, and we're seeing it more even at club level. You know, um, my first thought was thinking of Kepper in the League Cup final, and um, he's absolutely <laughs> winning the League Cup for Liverpool. But, um, and, 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 and that's why my expletives were going along that line. Um, yeah. As there's in, always there's in always
3: Liverpool references there there, and boys.
1: Yes. Anyway, <laughs> g- going back to what I should say. Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's a genuine tactic. I I, I completely agree with Adam. Um, that there's going to be I think some coaches now thinking a bit more outside the box, thinking about a, a specialist penalty saver as their third or second keeper, um, and, and, and it's going to be a tactic. As, as we said, started in 2014. I'd love to know if it is an, a, a thing of, a, of Dutch managers. Uh, it seems to have hmm. potentially originated there. I'm not a, I'm not a huge or a dizzy connoisseur, so I, I can't tell you for certain. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it adds an extra element to football at the moment.
0: Scott, you're an aero de connoisseur. What have you got to say?
1: I have been now given my club's new
4: manager, but I, would, I was just going to say, in terms of the goalkeeper... <laughs> you think about it, if you bring on a penalty taker, they have one impact in the shootout. If you bring on a specialist like shot stopper, they're involved in every single penalty mm. the other team takes. So there is probably practical application that makes this a, a viable idea. And I do think to Adam's point, someone will take a specialist penalty-saving goalkeeper to the World Cup with the idea of if we happen to land in a quarterfinal penalty shootout, this is the player we want in goal. Mm. Yeah, and
3: with player? six subs, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, of course course of course it just uh, it allows that keeper to really uh um study like if they especially in the world cup uh it allows that uh, uh the keeper to study who the players are where they usually go for and get um and get basically their players kicking or the um reservists or someone uh kicking goals in the direction that all these players uh, uh kick in so that they can get get practice and and um you know so it's it's absolutely possible that this is what they'll do. That's it. All right. Well,
0: moving forward, we won't talk too much about Australia's chances of, you know, winning the World Cup. I think they're locked on certainties now. But um, (laughs) for me, I do want to quickly touch on the fact that Australia is now, they beat one of their 2018 opponents to reach the World Cup group featuring their other two 2018 group stage opponents. Yes. France, Denmark and Tunisia. Now, my... Amateur counting today is uh, correct. The first game against France will be Wednesday, the 20-somethingth of uh, November. I've got,
2: the, I've got the details here. I've
0: you read it then because you actually prepared I didn't.
2: Uh, yeah, hang on. <laughs> Let me just bring it up.
0: Well, I thought you were prepared.
2: Uh, yep, no, I am prepared. So, yep, so it is – so the first game is against France on the 22nd of November with a local time 10 p.m. kickoff, which is 5 a.m. Uh, on the 23rd next day. Brisbane time. In Brisbane time. Uh, the second game against Tunisia is on the 26th of November. Uh, Saturday. 1, 1 p.m uh local kickoff time which means eight pm prime time here in Ooh. Brisbane.
4: eight pm Saturday night oh that's gonna be, that's gonna go yeah. well, off so.
2: yep, what the, date's the, that that's, that's the twenty sixth of November.
0: I'm going to line up at the pig and whistle for that tomorrow.
2: I think so. <laughs> <I think laughs> will yeah. the pig and whistle even be there? Because aren't they knocking
1: at Eagle Street Pier down?
2: Uh, oh door. no
1: that's next. It's <laughs> <That's> gonna, <laughs> Just... gonna wait. gonna wait
4: now. Scrap that. That's gonna wait. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yep. Uh, and the, and the final and the final game of of Group D is on the 30th of November against Denmark, which is a 6 p.m. local time kickoff, which is 1 a.m. the next day. Uh, I think December the first here in Brisbane. All three games are at the Al Stadium in Al
0: And the one point on that I was also going to say was, look, it's been really depressing the last few days seeing all of the. In a normal World Cup cycle, the tournament would be kicking off today. Yeah. You know, four years ago, yeah. we saw this. Eight years ago, we saw this. Da, 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 da. This has got me a lot more excited for this World Cup, even though it is in fundamentally the wrong place. Any of the other four bidding nations for it, like it would have been great. But now that Australia's in it, I am so much more excited. And above all else, I am really looking forward to a World Cup when it's not going to be about four degrees when the Socceroos kick off too.
3: <laughs>
0: I can actually wear my Socceroos jersey yeah. on the outside and not worry about having my nipples, you know, well done pointing through the show. With a shirt.
3: That's a sight. <laughs> that is... Yeah. Yep. Well, the big official
0: heat is... the um, experience
4: of actually having a summer World Cup here in Australia, even though only one of the kickoff times is genuinely... Supporter-friendly. I do think that Tunisia game is going to be absolutely spectacular, particularly given you look at the draw now. I do think there'll be real expectations that that's the, that's the night Australia get their next World Cup win. As much as Tunisia are a pretty good side, I think that's the matchup which we can win. And the fingers crossed France have their decade annual meltdown as well because they're well overdue for one.
0: Well, as pointed out uh, by my boss today, uh, last time France went into a World Cup as reigning world champions, it did not <laughs> end yes. well for them. Oh, yes.
2: <laughs> yes. Sacre bleu.
0: Can we, is, it Le, is it Le Mutiny? Or?
4: <laughs> that was 2010 when they wanted to knock each other out, wasn't it?
0: Did they yeah, also have Raymond one in
3: 2002 went. too?
4: Yeah, Zidane got injured and they were no a no, one-player team, as it turned
3: yeah. out. There Do we, we be- go. All right. Liam? Just quick, do you think it being in Qatar where we've played a lot of our games over the last however many years, do you think that's that's a bit of an advantage that we have because we know it, we've seen it, we know what's there, uh, we know the pitches, is it, is, it, is it something that's in our advantage, you think? I mean, I'm
4: beating in Qatar this campaign, Liam, it's a, big, it's a big help.
3: There we go. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: I think we might uh, start to wrap things up now, but what I want to do before we uh, – do that, is uh, give Liam and Alex the floor to say, just how impressive is this? You know, Graham Arnold talked up the achievement of the Socceroos getting to the World Cup after, like, the pandemic, only playing four mm. of 20 games at home. Liam, how massive is this achievement?
3: That's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, it's, look, uh, I, th- I think... It's been a case of out of sight, out of mind for a lot of football fans in Australia. I mean, it just goes to show when when, uh, when I went to see them play in Sydney, when they played Japan, you know, that stadium was, you know, it was only half full. And I think um, with them uh, not being in the news cycle, being at home in the, in, in the local media, um, I think a lot of the, uh, the hangar oners of Australian football haven't really engaged themselves much. So they haven't really had because of that because what four home games you know so there hasn't been that there hasn't been that engagement and I think that's and I think that's sad but um yeah it's look it's tough they've played all, almost all of their games away uh, you know they've gone to some pretty hostile places and um yeah it's it's uh it's a fantastic achievement for the for the boys um again I was I was one of them. That was a bit sceptical whether they would get him past UAE. Actually, I think I said that in one of the shows. So yeah, no, good luck to them. Uh, fantastic, and I look forward to the eight pm kickoff. Uh, aren't we all? But I think I'm down. You- I think I'm down the Gold Coast. So I'll have to find somewhere down the Gold Coast. I think I'm away. I think there will be somewhere on the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to dump my friends. <laughs> yeah, Alex.
1: Um, yeah, just going quickly on off Liam's point there. Um, what really struck me this morning, going into work, I, I had my Socceroos scarf on, and I did not see one bit of green and gold. So um, mm. I guess that really adds to your point about us, uh, the Socceroos, not being in the in the news cycle. Uh, different story in Fed Square. I don't know if any of you guys saw.
0: I Sam love the ABC Brody. reporter. Tony yeah. Armstrong, yeah, Tony just getting awesome.
1: absolutely mobbed and just enjoying Tony. himself, and it was just beautiful television. Um, but yeah, look, um, really, really massive achievement. Um, I, 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 I do, I, I, <laughs> I the Socceroos into these last two playoffs. I must admit, I, I, I gave up all hope on Arnie. I gave up all hope on the boys, but. That's one thing about our Socceroos. Um I'm so bloody proud of them. Always will be. Um, and 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 most importantly, on the centenary anniversary, mm. uh, cent- hundred year anniversary of the Socceroos, just absolutely outstanding. And 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 really should be capturing the the celebrations of a hundred years of um, our national team.
0: And um, for your final thoughts, Scott and Adam, it wasn't the prettiest. You know, uh, qualification campaign. It wasn't the prettiest uh, back-to-back group of playoff uh, games, but Arnie spoke before the UAE game about Aussie DNA and that fighting spirit, and it really was a bit of a menta- victory for the mentality of the Socceroos getting themselves up for the two essentially do-or-die games, Adam.
2: I think that I think part of the Aussie DNA is such as Socceroos is being the underdog and against all odds. You know, I, I look at I look at this and I always try and compare it to 2005. That even though Uruguay were probably on paper a much better team than what this Peru team were, you know, against Australia this morning, there was always that feeling that you know that that we had a very 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 very, very good squad in 2005. We had world class players. We had none of that in 2022. Like I so said, this is a this is a new group, a newish group that you know no real you know world class superstars. And you thought that was against all odds. Like we we wrote them off, you know, even getting past UAE. Mm. So to get to get there, to get to the world to to get to the Peru game, we thought okay, that that's an achievement. Now, like I so said, they're they're off to the, the the World Cup finals in Qatar in November. Look, who knows? Um, the Tunisia game is going to be you know vital. We, we jag a point against Denmark or France. Look, yeah, round, round of 16 is not beyond. So I think I, think I think as, as you know, Socceroos supporters, I would learn our lesson that you now we've just got to back the team and you know, dream big. Scott?
4: It is a manageable group, but we don't have time for to get into the Aussie DNA stuff, James. I'll be no. here for another, another hour if we delve into any of that. But I will just say to wrap this up, it does prove once again that World Cup, qualif- World Cup qualification is never to be taken for granted. I think some people still arrogantly expect us to fly through Asia and that's just simply not not the way it is. We didn't move to Asia because it's easier. We moved there because it's fairer. And that's the that's the reality. It's not always easy. And we did find a way. And if we are wrapping this up, James, I'll just say best of luck to our friends across the Tasman in New oh, Zealand. Yes.
0: Hopefully they yes. can join Don't us. Go New Zealand tomorrow morning. tomorrow morning. Yes. As well. yes. And uh, my final thought as well is uh, I really, really you know just want to go back to the 2010 qualifying campaign. You know, not as stressful qualifying with a couple of games in hand because as much fun as this morning was, I'm pretty sure it took 10 years off my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. I can feel the grey hairs coming out of my head at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be more damaging to me than fatherhood. Um, Liam, Alex, uh, leave it to one of you guys as well. Quick plug for Queensland Roos fans as well because you guys have been very good to uh, join us this evening. Uh, Alex, I think you're normally the one that does the uh, reads.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the one that always absolutely murders this. Um, so. <laughs> and you still haven't that. come prepared, have you? No, I haven't. Um, I just thought I'd follow the theme, of course, of me being unprepared. No. So on Twitter, it's at Socceroos and on Facebook, it would be. Um, As he's totally goes through be his phone. At QLD Socceroos fans. <laughs>
3: There we go, Sorry.
0: and um, yeah, all I will say is you know while the A League is in uh, its hiatus, the Socceroos are off celebrating the World Cup qualification campaign. Get out and support the local football over the next couple of months as well. We've got Australia Cup, we've got NPL, FQPL. Uh, I hear Briggs Road is lovely at this time of year, Liam.
3: Yeah, and we got our shared sale back today. I'm very happy, and I'm actually flying up to Mackay on Saturday to watch them. To watch them. Excellent, because that's how. Uh, I'm- than is at Briggs Road that's
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for joining
0: us. Thank you Scott, thank you Adam. Thank you everyone for uh, tuning in for this Brisbane Football Review off-season special. The Socceroos are off to the World Cup. Let's enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back on the Brisbane Football Review a little bit later on. Until then, enjoy your football.